Welcome to episode number 12 of Invest and Scale. This is your host, Gabriel Murillo, and in this episode, we have Jay Jogoban. He's a serial entrepreneur, podcast producer, and business advisor. He is the founder of Content Alice and Lee Cookie. And throughout this company, he has generated over $40 million in sales for his client. He is the host of Working Without Pens podcast and leaders of B2B podcast. He also shares role lessons of his entrepreneurial journey at jake.com. And he is the producer of podcasts for brands such as Facebook, Siemens, Energy, Stamply, and more. Hey, Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on here. Awesome, man. So I've been reading your content for years now, and uh, it's been a really inspiring journey for me. I love your writing style, the simplicity, but also how practical it is. Like you just said, on point. So I really appreciate all the stuff that you've been sharing for years now. Thanks. I appreciate that. I uh, kind of hate the world of internet marketers who like to just lead you on with stories. And then instead of actually giving value, they just try to sell you stuff. So I just try to write actual good content and just be transparent and share stuff. So that's my my mantra and what I try to do. Yeah, I think that's why the effect that costs is like, you're not selling me something, so I want you to sell me something now. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, man. Like you do this and you just like actually put out good content in this world instead of being like an internet kind of sleazebag. And the result is like, you know, I have like raving fans who buy from any company that I start. And it's really, it's crazy the affinity that can come from that. And that's not the intention. I just put out good stuff. And then I just have people that are like, how do I buy from you? And it's interesting, uh, how, I guess, how that all works out. I know I have so many different questions that I would love to chat with you. But I would love to get started for people to get some context on who you are, what is that you guys do, Content Allies and Lead Cookie. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I've got two companies and quite a few more on the way. But the first company that I've really, the first, I guess, the large success I've had was been Lead Cookie, which is a company that uh, we started off in the LinkedIn outreach space. And as that industry shifted, what we've really evolved toward is being kind of a digital sales team that bolts on for companies. So we do full LinkedIn email and phone outreach, where we basically become the entire outbound sales team for companies, uh, really work with them longer term, often on a performance basis to kind of build these really long term relationships and become their basically uh, outbound and SDR department. So that's lead cookie. And then Content Allies is really a company where we're focused around thought leadership content. We're working with a lot of CEOs of um, tech companies and service companies to really establish them as thought leaders. So we basically interview them and then we create tons of content out of all of those interviews. So it's we're kind of like the Gary V team that basically powers a lot of entrepreneurs who are experts in their field and they want to show the world and create all the content and get all those ideas out of their head. Why Lead Cookie? Why decide, what made you decide to start the company? So I kind of rode the wave of the LinkedIn outreach train. I got in really early when I did my research. Like nowadays, like whenever you listen to that, I bet if any of you open up your LinkedIn inbox, you probably got about three to five pitches from people trying to sell you LinkedIn lead gen. When I was, when I started this, I looked around, I did like a serious like search of the industry and I found a total of seven companies that were in this space. And now like, and it's crazy, a matter of like three years, there's people out there selling courses on how to get rich selling LinkedIn lead gen, which I'm just like, God. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just, it, it evolved fast, but I rode that wave, which was really cool. And it was really great at the start, but we have had to evolve quite a bit. So, you know, for me, I was kind of consulting and everything before this and I saw that trend was like, Hey, this is something scalable. This is something predictable. And so that's kind of what led to me diving in and actually, I guess, building up Lead Cookie in the first place. 
I know you have a different definition from the regular people out there. And now that you mentioned that there's a bunch of now productized service experts these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've probably seen that. But you have a, a unique definition and the fact that it's not just now I know you you also posted about that you're shifting that model and I would love to hear about that as well. But what, what's the uh, definition that you have of a productized service for the past few years? Yeah, man, I just like getting sick of this word. <laughs> I'm like getting so sick of it. It was sexy like, though. It was sexy for a while. It was, <laughs> it was sexy. So like what I, I guess, like, I don't really care as much about the definition as much as I care about building a business that can run without you. Like that's what people really want. And like this whole productized trend and buzzword, I feel like is trying to make that promise, which I think there's a lot of things that you do need to somewhat productize. But like to the extent that I think a lot of people look of like, oh, we've got to just be just like Design Pickle or we've got to be just like WP Curve. And I think that that's where people get like astray where it's like lead cookie. Like I told, I wrote that we're like unproductizing it. Like we're becoming this bespoke high-end agency, but I just hired really great people and I gave them really great compensation and tied them to the performance so I know that they're like incentivized to stick around. And the whole company pretty much still runs without me. And so like it still achieves the same thing. And I think in a lot of ways, and I had a call with a guy the other day who was like, I'm like, he literally was like, I'm sick of all these productized services. Like, I just want a company that's actually going to partner with me and like be an ally and like team up with me and like help me achieve my business goals. And he's like, I just feel like every marketer is obsessed with like trying to do their little sliver. But what I just need is someone who actually cares about my business and wants to help me grow. And I feel like that is just this like annoyance in like the market where everyone's trying to productize and do their one little thing. That the goal is just to build a business that runs without you and generates profits. And that does require some level of packaging or productization. But I, I think the whole productized buzzword thing is getting a little overused. So rant over. <laughs> so funny that, uh, and I love what you just said because I can totally relate. And now they, they call it drop servicing. So it's, it's, it's like... <laughs> Oh man, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, now that you mentioned that in terms of, the, I think that's what provided a new way or what Russell Brunson, he will call the new vehicle. But I think when people start, especially agency, they listen to the idea and they're like, wow, that's a new vehicle. I got to jump into it. When you talk about owning and operating a business, I mean, the biggest issue for this kind of agencies or companies that are not productized or they don't have systems is that something related to management or something related to the way that the owner operates the business, which is something that you also talk a lot about in your own blog. Yeah, I really think a lot of that, it just comes down to you evolving as a leader and an entrepreneur where, and again, it, it doesn't have to be productized, but it's just like getting people to run without you. It's it's like an interesting thing where, you know, it's just like, I even look at content allies and it was just like a choice from the start of like, all right, I'm going to hire project managers. I'm going to hire writers. I'm not going to do any of this work. I'm just going to sell. And I'm just going to keep pulling myself out of this, you know, more and more over time. It's interesting because there's levels where if you'd really do everything custom, you're going to kind of be sucked into it. And it's going to be hard to find someone who can do all of that. So there has to be some like narrowing of your scope, I think, to scale. Like, you know, that is one thing that is true of any book is like companies that scale do a few things really well. And so like that's I guess what I'm the, the anti-productizing is not saying go just do everything for everybody. Cause like, that's not also a good business solution, but it does. I think what I think I'm getting at is like, 
you need to maybe broaden a little bit more than trying to package what's nice for you and actually care what matters and what's helpful for your clients. I think that's where a lot of the productized people, they just get in their like head of like, this is what I'm going to offer. It's like, well, does your customer actually care? And does that actually help them get to where they want to go? And when you put it in the frame of that, of how are you helping your customer get to where you want to go, you start to think about it differently versus thinking about it from myself and my own like productized operation in that sense. And for lead cookie now, you say you guys are, is, is it lead cookie and content allies that you both of them are going to be having a different level of service or is it only uh, lead cookie? Now, content allies is also, has been very much more, it has been very, unpro- it has been agency from the start and we're okay. now more like narrowing the focus of it. So I tried to productize content is a hard thing to productize just because everyone has their own and this like took me this was like a hard painful learning of like realizing you can't just like apply it to everything all the productized content services out there there's some that are okay but i think for the most part i have talked to a lot of our clients who are like yeah i hired this you know like productized content service and it sucked and it's just like low quality content i don't actually feel i want to put this out there and stuff and and so to try to be something in the space that doesn't is quality and, and especially a qualitative thing like writing. It was just, I guess, a challenge in that sense. But yeah, the content analysis has been very agency-esque from the start. And what do you think are the main differences that you're seeing? And what would you call this new model? Is it going back to a regular agency or there's no not a sexy name and you're not going to come up with one, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it just comes down to like just building a smart business and stop trying to like put yourself in a hole. I think entrepreneurs as a whole... I think a lot of people try to follow the frameworks and the paths of others. And like, it's interesting, like the, the further I get into this, the less I like pay attention to what others are doing, the more I'm reading like philosophy and stuff. And it's interesting that you're like, you start looking at this, but there's this, there's this thing from Joseph Campbell. He, he does studies a lot of mythology, he wrote the hero's journey and everything. And he has this story where he talks about, you know, the Knights of the round table. And whenever like they're all sitting around the Knights of the round table, it's like the circular table, which symbolizes everyone's equal. And they decide that they're going to go out in pursuit of the Holy Grail, which is, you know, whatever they want. And the thing is that they then enter the forest at the point where it's darkest to them and there is no path. And that's just like this really interesting metaphor of like, if you're following a path, it's someone else's path and you're not going to find your grail. Your grail and like your actualization of everything is like not going to be found following someone else's path. Because again, like super high level philosophy, but I think so many people are just like, and I know because I was like this, where I was like, oh, I got to be like Design Pickle. I got to be like WP Curve and I got to like model them. And you can learn stuff from them and like pick things up, but you got to like trust in yourself and level yourself up and just follow your own journey in that sense instead of just trying to do what everyone else is doing and eventually like have your own way. And I think that's A, way more satisfying and way more fun. So. Acquisition. So the show, uh, the name of the show, Acquiring Scale, we have a few episodes now where uh, we've been chatting about, you know, people that are buying businesses, people that have sold businesses. I think your article, when people ask me about my exit, uh, has been the number one uh, thing that I recommend. It's just because people are like, man, no, that's amazing. You sold the company, but I was like, go check out this article. And then, <laughs> so your article for the people listening, it's about how Jake was working on potentially selling the business, but through that journey, he also learned a lot of the things that I wish I would have read that article two years ago, and it would be a different story for sure. But yeah, like I would love to dig into that. And also you mentioned there's another article 
in terms of like why people should be learning about acquisitions? Basically, last year, 2019, early 2019, I started thinking about selling Lead Cookie, partially because there was all this like disruption in the LinkedIn market and stuff. And like at that point, we were still very much productized. And, you know, I was just like, oh, this is like getting scary with LinkedIn. And that's kind of a dumb reason to sell in retrospect, because, oh, like this business risky. And then like, I, but I still like went in and was like, maybe someone will buy it. Like maybe there'll be a strategic thing. And so I go through this whole year. And so first of all, it takes me probably about five months to list the business for sale. And so this is why I talk about learning about it, because it was just like, holy crap, my books are a mess. Like I, there's, I'm still involved in a lot more stuff than I should be. And like all of these things here, but it's like, I'll dive into when you get to that realization, what's the broker telling you that? Or was it, how did you learn it? That number one, your books were needed work. And number two, like you were involved. Is that an observation from the broker? It was something where I had some, I was again, advising with Alex, who was kind of helping with that. And then it is a thing like to list with a broker, you've got to have this at least bare minimum criteria of all these things in place. And so that was this interesting thing. Someone's advice was like, yeah, go try to list with a broker. And like, you're going to realize all the things wrong with your business. And it's like very true. And so it took me like five months to just even get that to a point, the business to a point where we could list. And ultimately it was a horrible experience. The whole business never sold. It was a giant waste of time. I really don't have good things to say about brokers after the experience. And it was just sucked. Like, and it was like really mentally exhausting. And at the end of the day, like, you know, like none of no actual like financial gain came out of it, but I learned a ton and I like leveled up my business and my skills way. And like, and once, like, once you go through this, like you just start to think about business differently. I really like, I used to always just be like cash flow. It was always just about how much income I spent off. And now I'm just, all right, how do I invest in like an asset? And it totally has changed my mind on business. So despite the failure and the sucking side of things, it was probably one of the best learning experiences I've ever had. So that's kind of the, the journey of what happened last year. I think it's more like an intensive training that you took and you probably like it, it didn't cost you anything out of pocket. You just you, you invested a lot of time and energy. But like you're saying, now you have an acquisition mindset and even you were mentioning before we started recording something about, you know, a business accelerator and potentially partnership. What are your thoughts so far on partnerships? And like you mentioned, there's potentially new companies that you, you may be launching. So what is that all about? So basically, I'm launching a, a new incubator. It's called, will be called Arete Incubator. Probably by the time this episode's live, it will be up in the website running. But I've been really inspired by a buddy of mine, David Hensel, who he basically has about nine companies. And at the center of them, he has a sales agency and a marketing agency. And he uses those and like they are their own cash sustaining businesses, but then he reinvests the profit of those to launch other actual sellable assets. Cause he knows like agencies are hard to sell sales, like firms are harder to sell. Like they're just harder things to actually sell. Cause it's often a lot of based on the expertise of the team and stuff like that. So he uses those to build more businesses. And so that's kind of what I'm doing is literally going out, partnering with other people and saying like, hey, I got lead cooking, I got content allies here. And like, I can literally spin up websites and run entire outbound sales campaigns and spin up a sales team for you. And so like, I'm trying to find people that have these interesting opportunities, maybe who they are, their connections in their life, their skill sets complementary. And then how do we just go out there, offer their services to them and launch a brand new business that'll quickly become like, or even in the long term, just become a really phenomenal asset. And so like it's 
almost using a marketing agencies as like the core of like my own little like VC firm where we're investing in service with services and partnerships as opposed to, you know, your typical VC firm that kind of just influxes of cash and whatnot. Yeah. So, but what led you to decide on going that path? Is it like you're saying, is it just taking an equity position? Yeah. Part of it's, I mean, it's part of it of just realizing like, like these two businesses I have just aren't great assets, even though they provide a ton of value, they're just not great sellable assets. And then part of that's also just me learning and understanding myself more. Like I talk about like self-development is like a huge part of this. My top strengths are, you know, I'm like an achiever, I'm an ideation, I envision futures, and I'm an activator, I like to start stuff, and I'm a relator, I like one-on-one relationships. So you put all those together, and I'm like, man, I just go start businesses with other people and then pull all my resources. Like, that's fun to me. And so I think there's just this big part of all of this path that I was kind of getting back to why I study all this philosophy. It's this level of self-awareness that is, this is fun. I want entrepreneurship to be fun. And to be honest, I've been heavily focused on content allies for the past year and a half and it's kind of felt like a slog. (laughs) And it's cool. We're like building this up and I'm confident in what we're building, but I'm like, God, it kind of is a slog versus, but I loved the starting of it. And I love the big jumps and the milestones, but the day-to-days of things just frustrate the hell out of me. So I was like, how do I just start stuff all the time? And how do I just put myself in a position to do that? So you were talking about that self-awareness. Have you been able to just get down to that unique ability? I think yeah, I struggle with just finding one thing. And, you know, like when I had the podcast business, I didn't want to be the podcast expert. I didn't want to become, quote unquote, a label. Uh, I struggle with that. Do you find yourself with any of those challenges or do you think you're an expert in content marketing or do you have a category that you, you would like to? Productized services you're not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, I, I, I literally had to write on that because like everyone's been like, oh, you're the productized service cast. Yeah, but I, I, I think it really, unlike your question, it, it the self-awareness is so key of it. And what is right for me is not right for everybody else. And that's, again, it goes all back to finding your own path and journey here. But I'm a huge follower of like strategic coach and like unique, unique ability, what you just mentioned there. That was a huge piece of me understanding myself. But even Alex, like I, I coached with Alex, my advisor for years, and he was always had this mantra of do one thing and do it well. And that was Alex's mantra. And that's what worked for him. That's what got him to WP curve. But that felt like a struggle for me. And so for three years, I was trying to just get down to lead cookie. And then at some point I would start a content agency. And then I was like, how do I have two businesses again? I always had multiple things. And then at some point I was just like, no, that's just not right for me. I'm looking around at these entrepreneurs who have nine, 10, 12 businesses. And I'm like, People are clearly doing this. They're starting things all the time and they have success. So clearly there's another path. And that was just this interesting thing of realizing, oh, I'm taking my advisor's story of do one thing well. That's what worked for him, but that's not for me. And I think that that's all comes down to this self-awareness and these epiphanies you go through where you're just like, holy shit. (laughs) And like, it just changes your mindset and stuff there. So that's, uh, I guess that's kind of some of the journey on that I took on that one. Yeah, yeah. And now shifting gears into something completely uh, different. I know, you know, talking about product or services, there's different models and there's different kind of roles in being an owner operator now, being an investor kind of thing, like that's a different mindset and whatnot. I'm just curious to see if you have thought about like financial, the whole financial independence thing. I think entrepreneurs, they don't talk about it because they just want to keep hustling and grinding and working forever. And, and, and you and I, I think we would love to continue to come up with ideas and be creative. I think if they take off that from our world, we will be lost some way. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on retirement or early retirement or investment? Yeah. 
It's been interesting. Like my mind's been kind of growing on this a lot because I used to always just think I love doing music and stuff and creating there. And I just want to get to a point where I've like got this income and I don't have to work. And I actually spent three months right before COVID hit and everything where I was working 10 to 15 hours a week. And I just made music and like taught myself 3D animation. And it was just it was wow. super fun. So I got this and then COVID hit and I was like, okay, I got to like focus on my business again. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because I, so I was watching like Elon Musk videos the other day. And I just had this like epiphany, like watching this stuff of this guy, whereas he just reinvested everything into his businesses. And in this whole like mantra of like, I pay myself minimum wage and I don't and, like that kind of thing. It's like, even though he's got all the money he needs to, it doesn't matter, but he pays himself minimum wage. But it's the mindset of basically saying money is a resource and I'm just using it to reinvest and build bigger things. Like he doesn't care about getting the super nice, fancy things. He cares about getting more money so he can do more stuff and build more cars that make the impact and the change that he wants. And so for me, it was really crazy, but I've been doing all my music and I just, I love making music and do all this stuff. But I was like, man, I do not want to post this crap on social media. I just hate like this stuff. I really wish I could just hire someone to do this. And then literally I was just like, okay, so how do I get the resources to invest into this? And I was like, all right, I'm going to just launch an advising program. So I launched that up and I literally spun that up so that I would have the income and budget of coming through that I could just spend to build more of what I want to build. And I think that that's this mindset shift of getting toward of like money is just this resource. And if you can just figure out how to get it to flow to you and then use it to build more stuff, that's a fun game that isn't about retirement or working less. It's an art form in and of itself there. And again, if I can just get it to where like, that's what I'm doing and work is fun, then I'm down to keep going on this for a long time, you know? And just it's the more and more I get to like more resources, the less crap that I don't want to do that I ha don't have to do, you know? And it's, so that's kind of like the mindset that I, I get to it all. I guess where I'm going with it all and how I'm thinking of it, where this is a lifelong adventure of just fun though like just getting to more and more fun and fascinating stuff that i enjoy do you think in the next 10 15 years you will want to continue operating some of these businesses or do you think you want to have a management team in place and the goal that i would want to get to is like where i'm only in operating my unique ability all the time and i get to there but right now my i do my like activity log of irritating okay and great activities and Right now, I got a bit too much in that irritating category. For me, it's just, I'll definitely always still be like working in some capacity, but I think the goal is to get to the point where it's, okay, here's this idea, and then I don't have to actually do as much of this. Right now, there's so many things that I, A, just don't have the resources to just hire everything out, or I don't have the people in my life yet that I can just delegate these higher level tasks to at times. And so for me, it's just, I think just building out that resource and this awesome team that just keeps growing and elevating and like advising people. But if I can just be like coaching and advising my team and sending them off to go do things that I like orchestrate the vision, like that's fun. But then again, that's also my unique fun. Someone else will have their own different thing where, you know, they might have some other unique role that's perfect for them. They might want to go speak on stages all day or something. It's like, what is, that's what I love about the unique ability concept from strategic coach. It's like, find out what you love. And then how do you just get yourself in there and augment everything else around you with other people? Connecting back this whole conversation about what happened, not at the end, but kind of, you know, if it was just money, then that would be the end of the game. But now you have clearly described that it's not about the money only, like the money is a resource. And once you're, you and I, we don't, or the people listening, once we don't have to worry about that money anymore, 
we can really get into a whole different game. But when you went through the process on the exit, do you plan or thought about like what could happen after with the proceeds or like, was there any particular planning or was just like, I just got to move on with the business? Yeah, I probably went way too far down the rabbit hole of like, this is, I had spreadsheets of like, this is where we'll put all the money and like what we'll do with it all. And I was like, I just, and none of it happens, you know, wasted time, just fantasizing. Yeah. yeah, so it was interesting because like I had all this vision, but it's and like, it didn't work out, but you know, you just find another path. And like, that's one of the, I think the interesting things is just like, you're going to succeed if you're determined. And we found a way and we've like that exit failed in December and we're recording this now in May and we've completely evolved the company to be a more robust model. We're literally selling things at four to five X what we used to price things at. And we have these customers where we're just setting up for these very long-term relationships. And we're just like, wow, in that period of time, it was crazy. And that's what's also interesting that acquisition kind of distracted me. It really distracted me from, instead of just focusing on building a great business, I was focused on the acquisition. And as soon as it ended, it was just like the sigh of relief. And then I was just like, all right, I guess, what am I doing with this thing now? And then, but you can't sit there and think, okay, how do I evolve this business? Or what happens if I sell it? Like when there's just this gigantic fork in the road, your brain just won't go that far into what is plan B until plan B is like the only option. Then, all right, I guess we're going to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For years, I was a huge believer that, well, productized service or subscription services are just a step below SaaS. And, but SaaS is the ultimate thing. Like I will, when I, I was planning on selling the company, it's like, well, then now I can invest and grow a SaaS company. And I came across this article, which I'll be linking in the, in the notes. And I want to hear your thoughts, Jake, but if you ever thought about doing software stuff, but this article just blew my mind. They basically did an analysis on um, a bunch of like a dozen of the top a publicly trade software companies and their profitability levels. And it's insane. It's, it's horrific. It's terrible profit margins. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on software or if you ever fantasize about having a software or something. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm literally building my first software product right now. It's one of the things coming out of this incubator, which is, uh, it's called Passaroo. And it's a tool to safely collect kind of passwords from customers and clients as well as send oh, wow. them to others. So literally, I'm, I'm making my first route down this. I, I think SaaS, is, is, there's a lot of benefits to the model, but it is also, it definitely has been kind of put up as this holy grail because you just see in these companies and they just keep raising this money. And yes, there can be the massive scale behind it. But I think a lot of them just kind of just keep burning cash and burning cash and don't get to this like cash flow positive state in a lot of cases because they just pour tons of money or stuff there. And I think we're going to see this shift in Silicon Valley from going from like the shoot for the stars kind of big thing all the time. I think you're going to see like more of these people that are emerging and just like, I just want to invest in businesses that are going to spin off a good, healthy profit. And like, it's very good, safe, reliable. Like we're going to believe that this is going to spin off cash flow and profit, especially with this like whole COVID thing. And like this change of this is going to create, I, I think we're going to see more and more of that kind of stuff emerging just because yeah, developers tech are really high. I was also had a call with a friend who he's a consultant in the no code space. And it's crazy. He worked for a company scaled to $150 million using just a web flow, which is a no code thing on the front end. They had Airtable and Salesforce on the back end. 
and literally ran a $150 million company without having any developers. And then it was only like at at that point, they were like, okay, we need to start adding some code and some customization. But I think we're going to see this really big shift of movement toward no code stuff. And then also just towards businesses that actually generate profits as opposed to these like pipe dreams, invest in 20 for the one that goes huge. I think you're just going to see like my buddy, no code, he described it as like the long tail of marketplaces. It's like, okay, what's the Uber of this or the Airbnb of that? And you're just going to see these long tail investments and smaller stuff, which, and I think there'll be a market that emerges at that of people that just want to go safer with their cash. Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. And I think I, I just talk about that briefly, but on the on the book for from Moss uh Lost and Founder, I think is the name of that book, where he talks about his journey on raising, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then basically as a founder, kind of living with almost nothing out of that whole, you know, journey. And then now he actually launched a new company a few years ago. I think it's SparkToro.com, I think it's the new software. That they launch and they raise capital from about 40 people. I think it's like a million or two million dollars. And they are shooting for keeping it very lean. And I think I, I want to acknowledge you on that where I'm hearing from everything that we have discussed today. It's more about not only the business model or if it's a software or service, it's actually how you are running these companies. So it's the mindset on like keeping it lean, keeping systems, being strategic and, and thinking. Like it looks to me that for the kind of content that you put out, like you actually spend a lot of time thinking, do you have any, like any rituals for dedicating time for like, I know writing, you definitely have to. But. <laughs> yeah. It's something where it's just like the biggest thing I tell anyone is just, just commit to publishing once a week and just start doing it and try to, you know, get a backlog whenever you're inspired or something. And you know, just try to have a few weeks backlogged at a time and just make that like and commit to, I'm going to have something that goes live every week. And like, man, I've been doing that for seven, eight years. And it's just not everything's a hit, but then every once in a while, something either due to some big thing that goes in my mind comes out or, you know, something just resonates with people and people really like latch on to stuff. And so I just, it just comes down to consistently putting it out there and sharing your thoughts. And like every week's not a home run, but it becomes like an, an art form and just a skill in and of itself. And just the value it brings over, this was also one of the problems with selling is over 68% of uh, lead cookies revenue was in some way resulted from my personal brand. And so it was like, oh, it's, I'm tied in on like an earnout, which is kind of like not a great thing for like building a sellable business, but it's a great thing for building a business that's cash flow. And that's, you know, as I spin up these other businesses, I'm very much trying to think of, you know, when I'm starting to try to build something that's sellable, I'm looking at, okay, how do I make sure that this is, you know, I've got marketing channels that are repeatable and not dependent on me versus lead cookie and content allies. I'm not planning on, on selling them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just my personal brand, like drive as much as I can toward it. Cause I know that those will um, produce results there and everything. Yeah. And is there any reason why you been staying away from doing any do it yourself kind of info product? I hate info products. I just hate the, I hate the info product market, man. Like just. Oh, you don't want to do a video sales letter? No, man. I like literally the opening of my podcast is if you're sick of people trying to tell you how to get rich selling video courses, eBooks, and coaching programs, and this is the podcast for you. I am sick of that crap, man. Like I hate it. And I know that there's good courses out there. I've taken good courses, man. Like I, I have, there's good stuff, but 
for the most part, I'm I just I'm sick of that world. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. So to wrap up, I think we covered some really good stuff in here. And people heard about Content Allies cookie that I'm linking on the show notes. There's going to be uh, a new accelerator coming up. I'm going to make sure that I add that link as well. But anything else that you would like to share about what you're working on or any final advice for the audience? I think the biggest thing, one of my favorite quotes uh, my business advisor shared with me that I just live by is your business is a reflection of yourself. And so if you don't have the results that you want, if your bank account doesn't look like what you want, it's because you need to level up. So it's not anyone else's fault. It's not the market's fault. It's all on you. Like this whole COVID thing hit and I'm thriving. Like my businesses are growing and I have the greatest income ever. What's It's just really weird because other people are struggling, but it's all just comes down to taking ownership on yourself and owning the situation and figuring that out and stuff. So that's just one of the biggest things I would say. Awesome, man. Yeah. Like I say, again, thank you for being uh, courageous enough on sharing your journey. I'm pretty sure like a few years ago, it was, it didn't feel good. Now that you have people like me being a fanboy and be like, dude, I love your content. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for everything. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you guys are going to be doing with the accelerator, the new products. And yeah, we'll love to have you in another episode. Yeah, that sounds good. And yeah, anyone that wants to find me online, just jake-jorgovin.com or try to find some hacked version of my last name spelling and just put it in Google and my site will come up. And yeah, that, that's the way to get What's me. What's the name so, of the podcast? Podcast working. is Working Without Pants. So Yes, indeed. I love that. Awesome, man. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. And that's it for this episode, guys. Until next week, thank you, Acquire and Scale, and we'll talk soon. Bye.